Today on City Cash Chicago, we're headed back to Sullivan High School. Yesterday, we talked to the author of a new book about the school known as Refugee High. Now we talk with a teacher whose students affectionately refer to his mom and one of those students, a young man whose family fled Syria during the height of the war. A lot of teachers, they're just not teaching you what in the book. They teach you things like in the normal life, like in the normal day, like in every day you have, like how to deal with people, how to do this, how to do that. It's Tuesday, August 24th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. For a book, Refugee High, Coming of Age in America, Ellie Fishman spent about a year at Sullivan in Rogers Park to learn more about the student body that's nearly half refugee students and where more than 40 languages are spoken. Today we hear from Sarah Quintins, a.k.a. Miss Q, a.k.a. Mom, who runs the school's English language learners program. Her classroom is where many young refugees go when they need someone. I make sure that they have clothes to wear that are appropriate for the weather. I make sure they have food and utilities. And when I say I, I, the EL department, our administration, it, it's not just one person working. So as a team, we, we focus first on the child, the whole child. Do they have the clothes they need? Are they eating food outside of the cafeteria food? Do they have school supplies? Do they feel safe at home? Do they have transportation back and forth to school? And then once we get those basic needs met, we help them find jobs. Was this kind of program and like implementation strategy there throughout Sullivan's history? Or were you there when you saw this pivot where you realized like maybe we're not doing enough or we need to be doing more? I was hired at Sullivan in the fall of 2012. And I was able to focus more on the school and teacher level of, you know, that's great. They know what a noun and a verb is. But, you know, do they know how to provide consent in a variety of situations? Do they know how to say no? Do they know how to get on the L and go to work? Do they know how to apply for a job? If they can't do all these other things, how can they be successful at life in America. I don't know about life in their other countries, and I'm not going to assume what success looks like in another country or another culture or another language, but I know ours, and I know what success looks and feels like, and I just felt like from the beginning we need to make changes here that these kids will feel successful. And I always tell people, teenagers are teenagers. It doesn't matter what language you speak, what God you worship, what country you're from, they're all teenagers and they're going to do whatever they want to do. But it's our (laughs) job as adults to teach them and provide them with the morals and foundation and principles to make the right decisions. Yeah. I mean, I hear you there. Teenagers are teenagers. I teach like freshmen in college, people right coming out of high school. But, you know, the students at Sullivan, for a lot of them, you know, over half of them, they are facing some very unique challenges. What are some of those unique situations, unique, maybe even social-emotional issues that, that you're navigating with your students? Two of the most unique challenges are language. And when they move to America, the parents tend to shut down 
they're very overwhelmed, very confused, very frustrated. They, they feel as if they've lost all of their power, all of their identity. The kids, uh, you know, the, the kids are, you know, quickly acclimated to American culture and identity and language and music and food and everything through school. But the parents don't have that. Yeah, they don't have that same place. They don't have that outlet or that that resource to learn those things. You know, kids going to school, you know, they take off in learning the language and everything else that goes along in our society. And suddenly the kids are the ones who are finding jobs and paying rent and paying utilities and giving handing over their paychecks for mom to go buy groceries. And the parents feeling like they're losing control over their children. And how do I instill in them our traditions in this new world? Do you also feel like a mother to these students? Oh, yeah. And I tell them all the time, even um, upon enrollment, first thing I say to them is, I'm mom. I will love you. I will care for you. But I'm also going to yell at you and tell you when you're wrong and discipline you when you need to be dis- you know when when you've really messed up like you know this is unconditional love here but i am going to hold you accountable for your words and actions have there been those heartbreaking moments where you know students don't come back they don't kind of stay in the programs oh absolutely absolutely we have kids that you know just like any other student in america you know that that drop out for one reason or another you know we have we have students that, you know, they get pregnant or get into gangs. That's why I'm always telling everybody, teenagers are teenagers. No matter what language you speak, um, you know, they're going to, the same things are going to happen to them. A lot of times the kids just want to be told it's okay to sit down and, and shut down and yeah. feel sorry for themselves. And, you know, we definitely allow that. You know, we, we, we give the space, the physical and emotional space for that. We have a, we're very unique in the sense that our school has a social worker who is completely 100% devoted to refugees and immigrants. But at some point you say, Hey man, like this is what it is or what it was, Mm -hmm. but this is what it could be. And I want you to get to what it could be. I mean, speaking of how hard was it to not physically see your students over the last year and a half, you know, how did you navigate this during remote learning? Yeah, that was awful. I hate it. Um, I had a, met up with a student the other day who, uh, you know, she, mom, I haven't seen you in over a year. This sucks. Yeah, it was, it was awful. And especially for someone in a role like mine or my coworker, who's the social worker, it's rough because there isn't a scheduled time that you see everyone every day. I don't think that I've made my entire identity all about work and teaching, but it is a huge part of who I am. And, and on a, you know, not just professionally, like on a personal level and, you know, it, it influences the kind of mom that I am to my own children and, and vice versa. Being a mom is what, you know, greatly influences what kind of teacher I am. I am very blessed to looking forward to going to work every day. I never wake up in the morning and I have to go to work. You know, I really do look forward to going to work every day. And the pandemic, it really hurt. 
we need to spend the first few weeks of school really listening to our kids. You know, who, who are you? Where are you? What are you thinking? What are you dreaming? What are you afraid of? And, and, and then going, you know, then making our list of, okay, what, what resources do I need to meet these needs? It's going to be very interesting going back to school and how nutty are these kids and how shut down and how crazy and how quiet and how sad and how lost. I don't know, but we need, we definitely need to listen. Coming up, I talked to one of Miss Q's former students, Sam, about the challenges he faced coming to Sullivan from Syria. They were literally hanging out in the car together for this interview. It was pretty cute. From my listeners, can you give me a little bit of your background? Where, where were you coming from? I came, my dad is half Lebanese, half from Syria. My mom is from Syria, 100%. I, we leave because of the war. The war started, a lot of problems start, shooting stuff. And then you don't know like anything, like who is with who and whatever they're doing. Like, so, and then also my dad lost a lot of money and lost his three of business. So we had to move. So we moved to Egypt. We wow. stayed in Egypt for three years and three months. And then we moved here in 2016, April 2016. Why did your family choose to come to Chicago of all places? That time, they there was some church they used to call families and take them as a refugee. Like they sign up, like they go sign to to make you come here, and then you pay back the. Like after two three years, you start working, then you pay them back like the the plane tickets and all that. So they just pick five families, and then we were one of them. So what were your first impressions of Chicago when you got here? What were your first thoughts? First thing, I don't believe it. That's I'm in Chicago. The other thing is, I felt stupid when I entered to Sullivan. I know no one. I know nobody. Me and my sister. My sister is good at English. She used to study in Syria English. We had the language in Syria. We, you have to learn English in school. When we were there in Middle East, we always used to see America or Chicago or United States just only on TV. There's more freedom here. That's what we learned on TV there. There's a lot of... The life, it's more easy here than there. Like, there you can do more things. You can show who you are. If you have something inside you, you can get it out and show it to people there. You can if you want to tell them, oh, I know how to do this. Oh, okay. Do you feel like that was true once you got here, that you could kind of be who you wanted to be in some some ways? Yes, believe me. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, I don't know what to tell you now, but after Sullivan, after Miss Sarah and the other teachers there, now I own two businesses. I have a mechanic shop and I have a smoke shop. Yeah. Can you tell me what was it like when you met Sarah? So when I met her, I feel like she's a teacher with a lot of power. Like I used to be like, Scared sometimes I think, oh my God, if I did something wrong, is she going to whip my head? She's going to do it. So, and then day after day, she saw me like, I'm not sitting in any class. I'm always in the hallway, like walking classes, make fun. Well, one day she really talked to me as a man. She said, hey, I want to see you in your lunch. I'm like, okay. She told me, you know where you're at? I'm like, yeah, I'm in school. She's like, no, you're in America. You want to learn? You need the language first. You want to have money, you have to learn how to get this money. You have to start with the language. You have to start to know how to meet people, how to talk to people. Now, if you want to go to apply, to, like, apply to, for, like, for a job, you know you have to be dressed up. You know you know how you have to go like turn your beard and cut your hair and look nice for that? Like she teach me all that things. I don't know anything. Like I don't know all that before. Mm-hmm. I used to just 
taking the life like easy, laughing, smiling, making joke all over the place. Like not even sit in one class, only her class for two, 45 minutes and 45 minutes. It was only her class. Did you feel like any other your teachers were trying to get to you in the same way or did you just feel like Sarah did things different? Yes, all of them, they was really helpful. Like, I mean, all Sullivan, what I see, it's, it's not about only school, it's family, I think. That's what how I see it. I see it as a family. So teachers are not like, oh, like he's, he's just refugee, he just come here. Like, no, they like try with you. They They go walk to you, they go to you. Like, do you believe when I was depressed, I go to her or to other teacher? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I talk to her, like, I'm depressed. One day I cry in front of her. Like, I cry. Yeah, I am. I'm a man with the mustache and the beard and the whatever. I- hey, man, you still got tears, big dog. No no amount of beer hairs can, can take away your tears, man. She, she did hug me. She told me, listen, we all here to help you. If it's the language of problem, we're still working on it. Believe me, I like now, even now, like my my accent is still showing, but I'm speaking English because of her and of Sullivan. What advice would you give to students, you know, who are coming into Sullivan uh, that are resettling kind of like you were? I will tell them first that listen, open your mind. There's people here to help you, to make you believe that there is a here, like there's still people to help. There's a country here opening for you to learn to get your stuff done to to move to grow because when i come i wasn't looking at that at all i was just i told you playing around but then it opened for i don't know for some reason (laughs) some reason aka miss q sam thank you for stopping by sarah quintins again lee sullivan high school's english language learner program Man, thank y'all so much for joining the show. If you want more fun, just call me. I will show up there. (laughs) If you missed yesterday's episode, go back and listen. I talked to Ellie Fishman, the author of Refugee High, Coming of Age in America, who first introduced us to Sullivan. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Less than one week from the first day of school at CPS, The teachers union says it's still seeking answers about potential quarantine procedures and calling for expansion of student vaccination programs. Meanwhile, Chicago public school officials continue to search for its next CEO. New reports confirm that Pedro Martinez is a lead candidate. He's currently the superintendent at the San Antonio Independent School District, and he used to be a chief financial officer at CPS. But reports from Chalkbeat and others say current interim CEO Jose Torres is not being considered for the vacancy. There's some good news to get you through. The Paralympics are kicking off in Tokyo today, and we've got three Chicago athletes out there representing us. Kelsey Lefevre will be competing in the wheelchair track events, and Izzy Gonzalez and Zoe Voris are competing in wheelchair basketball. Good luck. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. I'm not including that Jacoby, a phrase I hear every day.